Back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and uh, we got a skeleton crew today. Spooky. Joining me, uh, he's he's uh, spooky, spooky Sean Glennis, known for his terrifying Halloween costumes, like the DVD case of Joe Somebody. Sean, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, you know, it's just I can't remember if I said this last time, but it's just nice to have like a. You do a great job hosting, Steve. You just have like a confidence about you. You really pull the weight. Um, just doesn't feel like I have to do as much as I would otherwise, hypothetically speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's because I have a, a massive dick, Sean. That's the only <laughs> thing that keeps me confident. Uh, also joining me, uh, I don't think he really likes Halloween all that much or uh, much anything. Adam Myros, how you doing, pal? Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, you know, the, my hosting abilities have been <laughs> impugned, but, uh, you know, we, we do what we can. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just don't have that big dick energy. Yeah, that's what I bring every single week. Every single week. And I'm actually surprised you're here this week because I thought, I, you know, Jack's gone. I thought you were going to go with him to that Dropkick Murphy's Super Spreader event, but I guess you decided to stay home instead. You thought I was going to go to an event? Boy, <laughs> I feel like you've misread the situation. <laughs> See, and this is good. I like when Jack's not around because not only can I like make, you know, Irish insults at him, but also I can insinuate that he enjoys spreading COVID. So it's kind of a good one-two for me. Uh, and, you know, Jake, we're not going to say anything negative about him because he's good and pure. So that's about all there is to it. Well... We're going to wrap up our, our Halloween horror spooky time coverage this week. And, uh, you know, we're, we're moving away from the, the Sean Glynis horror introduction series into pretty uh, standard optimism vaccine territory. Because we're talking Blumhouse, boys. Because wouldn't you know, uh, even though they're not doing the Hulu series this year, they decided to move their, their yearly pseudo anthology horror films to amazon so I, I guess welcome to the motherfucking blumhouse and wouldn't you know they not only have trailers for all the individual movies which are actually pretty shitty trailers so i'm not going to subject you to those but they have a uh, like a super trailer for the whole welcome to the blumhouse series and i figured i i just play that at the beginning if that's okay with you guys is that fine can we can we agree to that fine well we gotta fill time somehow yeah seriously because these movies are shit i don't know there's nothing really to say so uh yeah here's the the super series trailer is there anything on your mind troubling thoughts Remember, Goddamn, I love cinema. So, <laughs> thanks. Was that like WrestleMania 30 or something? Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I figured you guys enjoy that. Yeah, just a little, uh, little artistic flair there. There, there actually is a real like supercut trailer that Amazon put out, but it, it's somehow worse than the individual trailers, which are already pretty shitty. So 
um, gave, gave it a little flair there. I think it really, really pops. So if uh, Jason Blum, you want to call me? I'm here, man. I do trailer work. Do it all. I'm available. Oh, all right. Well, we should probably talk about these movies because, God, I, I wish we didn't have to. This is the cross that we bear every single week. You were saying that uh, we are kind of in traditional uh, opfac, uh material. Unfortunately, um, Bloomhouse is not in traditional Bloomhouse territory with these films. Is how I'll preface that, and I guess you guys can re- agree or disagree. They're supposed to be fun, right? I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot of fun to be had here. It unfortunately seems to be kind of uh, the usual territory for these streaming projects they're doing. <laughs> I, oh, uh, sure. Wish I could say otherwise, but yeah, they're not bringing the A game to the, the streaming. Even Into the Dark, at least the first six that we watched, uh, were fun, like Steve was saying. Like, I mean, it's not all of them, certainly. Some of them had like a sort of heaviness, and they uh, usually broke with that, but um, uh, broke under that pressure. But <clears throat> um, a lot of them had that sort of built in conceit that. You that kind of like uh, you know it was, it was a it was a slick package and for the series and a lot of them yeah we're just like sort of having fun we're kind of just like cable movie type of thing and uh, these are all just like very sterile and just there's there's no perspective. <laughs> There's nobody doing anything playful. It's just all so... It's just boring. I I think they've been uh, polluted by A24. It's like they're... Oh, that, yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, for right. sure. That's the problem. For sure. And you got to think, too, because this is not just... Like, it, it has that air of self-seriousness that you expect from A24 horror. Like, oh, this is important. This is the real shit you got to pay attention to. But then that... It, it like it's it's the Blumhouse filtered through the A twenty four and then filtered again through this weird like PG thirteen CW like digital sheen, and every single one of these movies aesthetically look almost identical, and they're just this like flat, just washed out digital boring color palette. Like there's there's nothing oh, yeah. visually interesting going on in these movies, uh, which is surprising because. I mean, shit, one of them takes place, like, half takes place in India, and they still can't get any pops of color in. <laughs> or, you know, I, I don't know. There's, there's just all these opportunities to at least make these a little bit more interesting. But if you were to tell me that all of these films were directed by the exact same person, I would never for a second, like, even question that. There's just, there's no touch here. They got the, the Netflix house effect. Uh, that's yeah, the style they're on. Exactly. Uh, unfortunately, it seems to be pervasive throughout the internet. These I'm days. not, I'm, I'm, yeah. this is, I'm not happy that I said yes to this project. Uh, I said yes because uh, based on Into you the Dark. can't say no. Uh, and my <laughs> dedication to Bumos, um, but which is on notice as of now. Um Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, Into the Dark, a fun project, whatever. At least interesting to, to talk about and, and, and all that. But um, th- this is just like exactly what I've been avoiding for the last like four years or so, like whatever, um, is this stupid 
sheen. Like, I was just sitting here watching these movies one after another going, this is content. This is just like has that digital sheen where everything is saturated. Like some some of the movies that we'll talk about, uh, occasionally there is a striking composition, but it's sort of washed away by the fact that uh, it is so ugly the the texture that it's using and um just the aesthetic presentation is just so ugly that it's not even cool or interesting to look at really um yeah it's it's there's just no life there and most of these movies just have like um i could just picture these being shot by some you know dp that was like got great grades in school you know everybody was like this guy's so talented and because he can make things look like a commercial because he can go on and make apple commercials like you know what look like shit apple commercials um like (laughs) they want to sell you a product and a lifestyle like that's not how movies should look at least not most of the Mm -hmm. time not as a general like aesthetic rule like uh, if you're going in with that, you're just making, yeah, a piece of content. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's actually a great line in one of these movies, one of the few great lines, where there's, uh, in, in the movie Nocturne, there is a music teacher and this girl who is, is like one of his students. And, uh, well, well, we'll get into the different things going on in, in that film. But at one point he tells her, like, you know how I know you're never going to be great is because it's it's already too late. It's not like Mozart went to, you know, Juilliard Music School to become a genius. Like, he was doing shit that you could never dream of, uh, you know, while you were getting straight A's in your music composition class. So, fuck you, who cares, basically. And that's what you get. That's the kind of the feeling that, that permeates all these movies where it's like, yeah, I bet everybody got... A ninety-seven percent on their on their you know their DP test or whatever. Like this is, I'm glad you got your little NYU film school certificate. We're proud of you. We're so proud of you. But at the same time, there's not a lot of soul no. in any of these movies. There's, and, there's also not any ideas. No, in any of these <laughs> no. There's there's an initial idea. Every single one of these movies has an elevator pitch, and then it ends at the elevator pitch, which is impressively consistent right you'd think somebody would accidentally stumble into something a little more interesting but just as like uh without getting into sort of like the plot machinations and all that stuff just aesthetically speaking there's no ideas there like myra said like i don't know if that's what you were referring to but there's well mm, all around any any facet really (laughs) because like (laughs) it goes back to that like sort of commercial presentation where you're not trying to think about anything it just passes by you and you go oh that didn't really raise any red flags Exactly. It just washes over you. And it doesn't even fall into that category of like like movies that dumb people think are smart because it doesn't even elevate itself there. It really is just it just washes over you completely. It reminds me of all these um there's on Netflix there's a ton of documentaries <laughs> and they're all just like but like Netflix produced documentaries and they're all just the exact same aesthetic they don't ask any questions of their subject. All they do is they go, okay, here is a thing that is remotely interesting. We will celebrate it for exactly 90 minutes, and then the movie will end. And it's like, how, how do you just keep making this? They're, all these little like 
studios are basically creating their own dog shit aesthetics that permeate every single thing that they produce, which is it's it's impressive in its consistency, but also like horrifying. Maybe uh, and one of the exceptions, I guess, or it's uh, I mean, we can kind of figure this out when we talk about the lie, which is one of these called the lie, because this was. Mm. This is an exception to the series in that it's a 2018 film, um, <clears throat> meaning that it uh, debuted on the festival circuit at TIFF um, in 2018, um, but wasn't released until this series picked it up. Um, and uh, I, I mean, so basically this wasn't like a Bloomhouse production in that same way. Like there isn't a house style here. Uh, that was mandated or anything like that, but uh, there's obviously like some sort of attraction, or at least Boomhouse could be like see this and go, "Oh, this fits. Like this is what we're doing." Um, and this has like yeah. uh, an actor of note in it, like an actor and a half of note in it. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you guys want to start. <laughs> Why are you there. doing Sarsgaard dirty like that? Oh, <laughs> uh, he was the one. <laughs> He's the one of note. Joey King is. He's worth at least two actors. Um, or, or, I would assume that Sarsgaard rates ahead of a woman from the kill. Yeah, she's the half. Uh, I don't know who Joey King is. Uh, but uh, so I get, I'll just sort of segue into this if that's cool, Steve. Um, I'll go for it, baby. But yeah, this is, as Myros said, or M- mentioned that there's a, an actress from the killing, um, uh, Muriel Eno. She was the protagonist in that uh, mm-hmm. show, The Killing, that everyone watched because Netflix um, resuscitated it, like, I think eight times. Um, and this is by Vina Sood, who I believe was one of the, yeah, was uh, developed. She was like one of the creators of, um, if not the primary creator of The Killing. Um, the Killing, which was a show that sucked. Um, was go on <laughs> uh, mostly known for or not mostly known but can be categorized as also being extremely sterile in this visual like you know I think it was based on like a Nordic uh, series adapted from a Nordic series but took place in Seattle and just kind of tried to turn Seattle into like a Nordic atmosphere um, and mm-hmm. ended up looking like garbage uh not as bad as some of these but um so this kind of carries over that sterility uh and is not very good uh, but it it revolves around these like two girls uh sort of like high school girls um and uh something happens in the beginning that makes one of them disappear and uh the rest of the movie is like Peter Sarsgaard, who is one of the parents trying to figure out a way to, to cover this up because um, they they don't know where she went and they think that she must have died. And so they're trying to figure out how to do that, like basically not tell the police what happened. Um, but yeah, so what is what this is you, like when when you're when you're horny for true crime podcast, uh, but you yeah. need a little fiction. You're in like, your I life. know this isn't going to be good. You're saving it for later. You're like, just yeah, you need that fix, even though, you know, it's not going to be good. Yeah, what were you guys' takeaway? Oh, fuck. I don't know, man. It's terrible. This thing's terrible. It, I mean, it, it's just... 
it's a well-made, I suppose, but it's just, it is the embodiment of what we're talking about here. It's like the most sterile thing. And it, if it doesn't have the Blumhouse house style, it does have the Venusude house style. Cause this looks almost identical to what you'd see in the killing. It's just like, Oh, you know, what's visually interesting, uh, drizzle. It's like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I, I, the, the most visually interesting thing in this movie is, is probably, uh, the stars guard himself, uh, like slowly morphing into uh uh what's his name chucky there <laughs> <laughs> yeah god <laughs> i i don't even know this character stinks um yeah brad durf brad durf by the way um his he is i i guess the lead singer of some like interpol-esque band and he just tools around <laughs> town cool. listening to his own shitty songs yeah and, yeah. Uh, and he got a divorce so he could pork chicks very cool yeah yeah and then the whole thing is very predictably uh, a parent trap type thing. So it's just the daughter's <laughs> like a, a fucking asshole teen who's like, I'm going to get my parents back together by faking the death of this other kid. And, Let's uh, get together. Were you really yeah, sad yeah, yeah, that yeah. Uh, Joel Kinnaman wasn't here? Uh, that that was the saving grace. The saving grace was that there was no Joel Kinnaman. I'm like, Audition by subtraction. God. That was never a consideration. <laughs> See, this, this this one is a great place to start because it, it really does embody this whole thing. So again, like, it, it never looks bad. It just never looks good. It's the most beige fucking shit ever. And then the setup, because again, all these movies have a strong elevator pitch. So the setup is, you know, uh, there's the dad and these two girls. And the girls stop to take a piss in the woods and... One of the girls, you know, dies, heavy finger quotes. Uh, and, and then the parents are trying to protect their child who's like, I murdered the shit out of my friend. And they're like, don't say that. <laughs> Wouldn't be good if you told people that. So uh, and then you're like, OK, so so where does it go? And the answer is it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, basically, this the, the girl is having like mental breakdowns and. They're afraid she's going to tell everyone. And then the girl who was killed, her dad is, um, you know, trying to find out where his daughter is. And he's coming around. He's like, what'd you do with my daughter? Rawr! And then, you know, they're like, oh, you probably beat her to death, you daughter beater. And all these lies kind of grow out of this initial lie. And it's, it's, it's just it's just straight melodrama. There's no real horror here to be had at all um, or dread or suspense really or anything it's just straight melodrama okay whatever and most of yeah. this just washes over you for about mm, i'd say 70 of the 90 minute runtime and then it's like okay well i've been completely unremarkable for you know nine tenths of my runtime why don't i just completely just shit all over myself and let a turd run down my leg and uh, this one, it wins the Steve Cuff Grand Jury Prize for worst twisteroo ending I've seen in years. This is just a, <laughs> it's a top tier dumbass twist ending. And it's the kind of ending, too, where you kind of see it and you're like, yeah. no, they wouldn't. How could they? And they do. <laughs> yeah, for That's... me, this like barely registers as a twist ending when the movie's called The Lie and you're like. Even looking for any level of a twist, you're like, okay, that's going to be what it is. The, the girl's not dead. I, For me, the dumbest part of the ending is what precedes it, where they've got to make this moralist fucking stance, like, really drive it home by having the parents inexplicably run down this guy in a suburban neighborhood. 
It's like, yeah. why, why is this even in the fucking movie? We we get it. This lie caused things to spiral. We don't need this additional stakes added within the last mm. 15 minutes of the movie. And I'm, yeah, what does it use this runtime for? I don't, I don't give nothing. a shit about these fucking Wheel people. Spinning. Yeah, I want no. them to get their comeuppance. There's no one in this movie who's like a sympathetic character at all. They don't do anything to develop any of them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like the girl that disappears herself to go hang with her boyfriend and pretends to be dead. Because when they're driving the car, she's like, oh, Mr. Smith, is this your band? They're nardacious or something. Or Sean, what does he say? He says something completely insane or she says something completely insane that is supposed to mean cool, but it sounds like it's written by an 80 year old man. It's just like, oh, God, this cringy fucking dialogue. But, you know, with this movie. It does another thing that drives me insane where there is a clear through line to something much better here. So you could go real fucking dark, which this movie is totally unwilling to do or unable to do. Um, Or you could swerve in the other direction and go into some like black comedy, which this movie is completely unable and unwilling to do. So instead, it just kind of plays this neutral CW level uh, PG-13 melodrama straight through to the end. And then the untwisted twist ending to just fucking shit all over everything at the end. I I don't understand it. <laughs> what the girl yeah. says uh, says to the uh, the fake Interpol singer uh, Sarsgaard is uh, that tune's snatched. Mm. I guess maybe that's the lingo these days. When I said the song is Nardacious, does Nardacious sound cooler than Snatched? I would I would argue yes, it does. So. Fuck you, teen girl. I'm cooler than you are. Um, yeah, no redeeming value here. I would say um, find the negative and, and burn it. That's my review. <laughs> yeah, much like with with the killing, it's like you take an idea, and I mean, at its heart, that show is is just a post Twin Peaks missing girl show. You take something like Twin Peaks and you strip every interesting facet out of it, and then you just present this blank sterile thing that goes on and on and on and it's fucking awful this person is bankrupt of ideas and should stop making things just just fucking terrible um i mean for my money this is probably the worst of nah, i don't know if it's the worst of the bunch no I shouldn't say fucking that yet. way man this other one there's 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 another standout there's there's another standout you're, you're right but this is this was a good i'm glad that i started here because it reduced my expectations dramatically and it's it's just a good pace car for what you're going to experience. This one has everything that I hate about all these movies. just kind of wrapped into a nice package. So it's great. Why don't we get into the one that I that we probably hated the most? I can't speak for Sean, but um, I think the lie was the worst. Maros, uh, what exactly is uh, Evil Eye? Here, I'll give you a transition. Plum. There you go. Uh, Evil Eye. It it is a really, really shitty movie about uh, a reincarnated uh, murderer or something. I guess. Well, uh, not a murderer, so right? It's basically a movie about a mother badgering her daughter to get married, and when uh, she decides to, the mother goes fucking batshit and decides that this uh, suitor is the reincarnated. Uh, her her ex who tried to murder her uh, many moons ago has been reincarnated as this guy. There's no evidence presented 
toward this uh, until it just, of course, happens to be the case. And, and again, the very last maybe 10 minutes of this fucking movie, all of a sudden they're like, yep, turns out he is reincarnated and this lunatic was right all along and all her actions are justified. And I'm like, I, I, uh, there's, there's nothing here. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> here. Nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one is, I mean, we, we mentioned the last one that it kind of it kind of sets its tone. It goes, okay, this is what this movie is about, and then it just grinds it into the ground for seventy of its ninety minutes. In the last twenty minutes, like, oop, stupid switcheroo, twisteroo, and and this is somehow worse because it's also one note, but that note is a daughter on the phone with her overbearing mother arguing about the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's really wonderful stuff. Sean, why is this your favorite movie of 2020? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I was going to say that um, the mother in this film is no- notably played by uh, Sarita Chowdhury, uh, Chowdhury um, who is known for being in Mirinaire's, uh Mississippi Masala, which I watched earlier this year, um, one of Denzel Washington's early roles. And uh, sort of about this... Um, relationship between her and him uh and i didn't know that until i looked it up that that was her but uh cool to see that she uh is working <laughs> i thought you were gonna say she's <laughs> best known great. for being in lady in the water no, I, mm. just like, yeah uh best known to me um i mean she's been in a lot of stuff it's not like there's there's been some like dry spell but it's just like oh cool uh i mean that was like her sort of breakout and also like one of his but um anyway so do you, do you think the reason why this is the best movie of 2020 is because you recognize <laughs> one of the actresses <laughs> yeah i think that uh the lot like i think that this is better than the lie i mean i think it still is not good but um what did you ask me besides that besides that i mean just yeah, just it's it's kind of the same movie as the lie in a lot of ways like the more i think oh, about yeah. these, a lot of these are so structurally similar like <laughs> you could swap around the titles and just make if you're just making like broad statements about what the story was about you it, all these would fit in the same bucket right big problem here for me is that it's like uh it seems like an indian film made for white people in that um it's really like playing into this like one dynamic of this uh culture which is pressure to get married um and just like hammering into that and trying to like uh weave it into um i mean that that who knows maybe that's problematic to say it's indian film made for white people but maybe the better way to say that is that uh it makes sense that a company like Bloomhouse would be attracted to this for their audience, but um, which is probably not all white people. Uh, we're going to wipe that yeah. from the record, um, that whole <laughs> bit. Uh, but basically, I guess um, it shares those qualities with films like that, where it sort of like just distills this vast culture into this one thing. I mean, not that it's trying to like capture this whole culture but it just like hammers on this thing that is just like very stereotypical in terms of the representation that uh that they get in uh, american film um which is yeah this mom being like you gotta marry and you gotta marry right and blah 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 and like i said we use that into a horror conceit which is that she is 
the 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 daughter is marrying or getting involved with this guy who may or may not be reincarnation of somebody who tortured her mom. Hate when that happens. I know. I know. Yeah. Trust me. I mean, it's worse for when you're the guy and you're like, oh god, I gotta like play this off, and uh, how do I get around this? It's just so I can just like keep going with this relationship and not have to deal with my past. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it's See, really I about a man's for me, struggle. This is, this is like <laughs> worse because it's like it does. It, it's just so poorly done. Like everything about it is so poorly done, and there is no clues. Essentially, you have no idea what the fuck is happening in the movie, or any reason to not think that the mother's just a fucking lunatic. Uh, the the suitor is in at no point sinister in any way. There's there's nothing tying him to this other character it's just this it's just a split movie this these two people having a a boring courtship and then we cut back to india and this woman's just going fucking berserk and uh you know going to tarot readings and x y and z and it's on and on about this evil eye and we as the audience are given no reason to suspect who this guy would be we don't we're not even made fully aware of the previous incident until late in the film and and the end reveal is that this guy didn't even uh, recognize that he was reincarnated until he heard the mother's voice and the sinister man was awakened within him and it's just it is so horribly paced and there's no there's no buy in it's impossible no. to buy into this thing no it's it's really trash and it, it just it feels like the entire movie was made to like appease people who really are into like astrology and then you're like, man, that's bullshit. And, and then they're like, no, no, no. Look, see, it's justified because one day I could predict when someone's been reincarnated because their star signs align with their death and when you were born. So this all makes perfect sense. So, no, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. And, you know, on one hand, I'm like, oh, well, it, it would have been easy to make a movie like this and just populate it with white people, which would probably make it slightly less interesting. But at the same time, like Sean said, if I were to make a checklist of like Indian stereotypes popularized in cinema, the, this like leans into all of them. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think it, it necessarily utilizes its, its cultural angle in a way that's good or interesting. And then it also tries to be like, I, I don't know, it, it, it tries to have a feminist message propping it up too but it doesn't do that very well it's just like all it does of, what uh, is the message I, I, men, men are shitty and then sometimes they're so shitty they come back and try to kill you uh, no but that's what i'm saying is like it it tries to have all these ideas about culture and 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 misogyny and, and generational trauma and all these things but it doesn't do anything it's just like it wants the movie to be about those things, but it doesn't actually put in the legwork to make it about those things, if that makes that's sense. That's the whole problem with all these stupid movies is that, like, there is there's no perspective. It's just a conceit, and it's just a screenplay that was written around a conceit. Like, yeah. there is no exploration. I think there there's a little bit of some in a, in a different one that we'll talk about, but just generally, <clears throat> like, that's... If you're going to make a horror film... Uh, just thinking about the stuff that, at least my taste, or, or the reasons why I would imagine anyone would be drawn to a horror film, is uh, spooky, 
these are not spooky. Uh, you got fun because you got all this genre to play with and you got all the, you know, you got the sets and the locations and the atmosphere. That stuff, that stuff can all be used to be fun. Um, or you can explore really dark stuff um, in, you know, any manner of ways. But you can like really try and like explore things that are interesting um, and, uh, you know, introspective looks at uh, your life, whether that deals with uh, bad shit or just uh, more scary stuff. Um, but this, like these, does none of these do that. Like the lie, like <laughs> what is that doing? What is evil eye doing? Like, I guess, like you said, Steve, like there could be, you. there's like a clothesline that you could drape some sort of projection of, uh, about like meaning onto it. But is there anything there? No, I don't think so. So if you find any meaning in these, you're doing more work than the filmmakers did. Certainly these first two. This is, is this barren of anything. Like, I, I, I really despise this one. I thought it was... It, worthless like again if if we want to look at it as a, a cultural piece uh it's absurd it leans into not even stereotypes but negative stereotypes it, it makes this mother to be this like horrible shrill superstitious person and you know in western culture where this is heavily marketed to these are not admirable traits it, it portrays this culture as very primitive in many ways and that's not <laughs> constructive why are yeah. we doing that? I, I would find it almost less demeaning if it were just a bunch of white people being the oafs and superstitious and shrill, whatever. Uh, we can take it, but I don't understand. If this is supposed to be representation, then it's a, a piss-poor job because, mm -hmm. man, there's nothing to it. There's one name actor who Sean has mentioned, and the rest of the cast... Uh, is very wooden just no charisma anywhere yeah the father is is fine as a sort of put upon friendly uh, sort but the the lead and her romantic interest are both oh God. not they're, so they're bad absent yeah. <laughs> and if you're gonna this guy who plays the suitor the reincarnated villainous sort needs to be he needs to have like a dark charisma to him and he needs to Brad Dorif, man. <laughs> he needs that we chunky need, energy. He needs to admit that energy uh, that leads me down a path to, to say, oh, is there something up with this guy? At no point in the movie do I question anything about him. He's just there. He's, he's a background actor. Yeah. It's like whenever you see like Udo Kier in a movie, it doesn't matter what he's doing. Like he could be like a, a children's television host, like handing out ice cream cones. You're like, this guy's going to fucking murder one of these kids. That's the kind of person you need for a role like this. Like, you need something underneath. Um, but uh, you're right. It, it doesn't have any of that. Um, but, hey, we, we can move on to greener pastures if you'd like, because it only gets better from here. Um, That's true. Yeah. I, I, let's talk about Black Box. Why don't we talk about Black Box? Uh, guess what? This one also doesn't look great most of the time. Also... Uh, kind of telegraphs its bullshit way ahead of time. But you know what? At the end of the day, this is a pretty all right, watchable, uh, like a like a Twilight Zone episode. So thank you for being semi-functional, Black Box. <laughs> yeah, so, <I'll> grant <laughs> that if you were saying earlier that uh, these movies aren't even like... Movies that dumb people think are smart. I suppose this is the only one that really leaps to that challenge. You know, this is uh, 
pretty much exactly what dumb people think is, is smart. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you got to beat yourself up, but it's not yourself because you're someone different now. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I yeah, I can't disagree with anything that you've said, and I don't think that this is a good movie, but um, there was... I, we've talked. We're talking about these all in the exact order that I watched them, actually. But um, uh, at this point in the journey, <clears throat> I was very thankful to have a movie that seemed to be at least earnest about what it was doing. And like, there's there's sort of a tenor here that is one like at least interested in the conceit, like in a in a way that isn't just like like I said, like clotheslining. Uh, you know, like hammocking the rest of the, the plot. Um, this seems to actually have a vested interest in what it's doing from moment to moment, which is a good yeah. thing that a movie should do. Um, so it meets sort of like these bare requirements for me. Um, whether you think that like there's a payoff or an emotional like, uh, you know, redemption for the viewer is another question. I don't think it's satisfying. And it's sort of like wiped away from my memory. <laughs> Um, without the car accident, and I, yeah, it, it's not exactly like a thought-provoking movie, but it does seem to at least be going on its own journey with some sort of interest, and not it doesn't seem as lazy and as like just barren as the others. It doesn't look good, that's for sure. I mean, it looks like the same <laughs> streaming sheen. Looks like the garbage. other two. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's got a little bit of meat on the bones, and part of that is it's it's kind of like it's it's twisty nature. It's uh you know it's about a guy who is in a car accident, and he loses all his memory, and then he starts going to this uh, this doctor who claims that through therapy she can bring his memories back, and it turns out that she's actually implanting the memories of her dead son into this guy's head, and then we have to have these subconscious fights that it gets all inceptiony and um yeah it's 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 not anything great you're not gonna like it does have felicia change my life it does it does and it it functions it totally functions i wasn't bored i wasn't groaning it was just dumb and i don't know if it was fun but i i guess after watching the lie and evil eye uh, felt pretty good so I mean, yeah. See, I, I, I guess our responses are directly tied to the order in which we watched them because this is uh, how I reacted to Nocturne because it was coming off of those first two. I was like, oh, thank God! And this one, I had a little higher expectations for, and uh, it was back to uh, the crushing disappointment for me because I, this has a lot of the same damn issues where it's just like. Give me something to buy the fuck into. Like, Felicia Rashad, it's essentially a mad scientist movie. Yeah. But I, again, let her choose some scenery. Let me get some inkling yeah. of what the fuck's going on. Like, get me asking questions instead of just passively fucking yeah. letting the thing flow through my eyeballs. It's just like, no, no, never. No, we will this, never do that. I think the difference, too, between, uh, like, Blumhouse good tier and Blumhouse, whatever this tier is, um, <laughs> is it's when the movies kind of kick it up a notch, take it into that higher gear and they, and they take you there. Like even in their more serious movies, like, um, invisible man, bye bye man. 
the bye bye man. Oh god, I love a bye bye man. Don't even start. Wait, that's not Bloom, um, is it? That's not Bloom. No, no, I don't that's like I don't know who the Universal. Fuck made that. Or no, wait, that's Bloom. I can't remember. It was given to us from Jesus Christ himself. Anyway, <laughs> um, when you think about something like um, like Invisible Man, which is pretty serious, but it just it gets so like ridiculous in that third act when it basically turns into like an action film, and it just kind of kicks it in that that higher gear. Or something like um, Upgrade, which less of a serious movie. Uh, I mean, it takes itself seriously on the surface, but it really leans in hard to the genre stuff and goes just super brutal with the violence. It just takes it there, and with this, it's like. Everything feels so restrained and so dialed back that even though I don't think Black Box is terrible by any stretch, it just it doesn't have an opportunity to shine or to stick out. It's just kind of there. Yeah, I feel like it's got to commit to a direction because I either need to give a shit about this uh, Sun character and kind of feel the gravity of, of choosing between which one of these consciousnesses survives the, the ordeal and, you know, feel the weight of the loss of either of them, frankly. Or you go in the direction which this halfway went into, where there's a good guy and there's a bad guy. But the bad guy is not sufficiently, like, you need to make him just go fucking berserk. Like, he's endangering the guy's daughter, you know. He's mm-hmm. he's just a, a big-time piece of shit who you want to see get his. Instead, he's he's just there. It's just, that's, that's the through line here. Everything is just... <laughs> Yeah, happening. Yeah. Do yeah. you think? Do you think these movies like they they feel like people take them more seriously as as genre pieces because they think by being subdued and, and yes. bland they're more serious? Is that like- absolutely, <laughs> absolutely? I think so. Yeah. Ari Aster is ruining horror. At least Ari Aster has a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> I, I think that. I mean, I I don't I don't know if that's what a lot of his champions are attracted to but i mean you know and i don't think that they're funny but he does have a sense of humor um but a part of that the worst part of that is that the performances are so subdued and i think that of these movies and i think that uh that really uh i think a lot of viewers are probably um gauge what a film is trying like what the tenor is or you know if it's supposed to be serious or whatever based on those performances and you know it doesn't help that it just like has this horrible sheen that we've mentioned many times yeah well and and i would encourage if you are a budding horror filmmaker um maybe stop watching like bergman for your inspiration or something yeah watch more corman less bergman just just watch paul verhoeven movies until your brain melts out of your ears that's what you need (laughs) Just fucking stop with this shit. I'm sorry. I don't know about Verhoeven, Steve. You really want these people to be tried for fucking satire? God no, help no. us. No, I just, I just want to stop watching Wild Strawberries for five fucking minutes. <laughs> watch Please. Ed Wood. Yeah, watch Ed Wood. You're better off. You're much better off. All right. Well, let's get into the last one here. Let's let's end on a strong note. Well, as strong as we can. By strong, I mean how I, I like I could bench press 160 pounds and be like, look at how strong I am. Um, Nocturne, guys. That's the other one. Myros, what's Nocturne? Nocturne. Uh, it's the sort of thing you've seen a hundred times. Uh, yeah, it's the other <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a movie where someone is driven by obsession and sacrifices everything and everyone around them. But this time, it takes place in a music school. Whiplash? Uh, oh, sorry. Wrong movie. Uh, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, or Black Swan, or uh, a Neon Demon came to mind quite a bit in this one for me, even though I actually like this better than that, oddly. <laughs> At least it had the courtesy to be short. Um, but yeah, no, it is, uh, it's about a, a, a teenage girl, uh, well, a set of twins, we'll say, one of which is, mm-hmm. is deemed nice. more exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at everything i suppose she's she's exceptional uh, socially and uh, musically in a way that uh, her twin is not smokes so, more weed uh, yeah yeah uh, the twin is embraces this uh, satanic tome and uh, slowly sort of sacrifices everything in her life to uh, uh further her musical career now i'm know? gonna have to ask you to pause here for a second because did you uh did you recognize the symbol on that satanic tome it looked uh, your... like an evil eye of sorts. Uh, yeah, well, it did kind of look like an evil eye. <laughs> it looked like a combination of evil eye and uh, something that Adam Myro circa like 2001 maybe would have liked, or circa 1999. Like a god smack? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, God. All these years I finally got to play the god smack voodoo drop on the show. Thank the fuck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it, it looks, it's literally like it's a notebook with the Godsmack logo on it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's that's, that's about right. All these kids that were drawing that on their notebooks in like the eighth grade while they were wearing their Jenkos and shit, they were just, uh, they were just trying to succeed. They just want to be better than everyone else. That's how you do it. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie does more right than probably any of the others, but it also, it's so lazy at times. Like the way that she just happens to like this notebook like falls on her feet and she's like oh i guess i'm embracing satan now and it's, she's so passive in the whole fucking process yeah she never makes this decision to go down this path it just again things happen things fucking happen welcome to Bloomhouse. <laughs> fucking give anyone agency for god's sake oh there's no there's no agency here baby there's there's none of that there's none of that there's just uh plum that's all we get welcome welcome uh, yeah, it, I, yeah, I, I struggle with this one too, because it probably looks the best out of all of them, even though they're all pretty identical. And it, it does have this, it's got a little bit of whiplash to it. It's got a little bit of uh Suspiria to it, not old Suspiria, new Suspiria. Um, but then I think about like, man, I really hated the new Suspiria. And I think of how rich of a text that is compared to... <laughs> Not yeah. Hey, this is all streaming garbage. It. This is content. You're talking about content, movies, baby. Steve. This, this is a tent podcast. <laughs> this is this is the new. This is when you're on optimism vaccine. We're not. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I don't watch movies. I watch <laughs> films. No, no, no. We we watch we watch movies. We don't watch fucking content. So get your fucking content out of our screens, please. Um. Yeah. It, it, it it tries it tries good job you get the you get the little the little ribbon that says you, you almost did it i have sort of a um a theory like sort of a half baked theory that i haven't really um <clears throat> thought much about but you know that's what podcasts are for right to just mm-hmm. wing it uh yeah exactly um uh, on like accusations but i was just Embarrass thinking yourself about publicly yeah uh or yeah, or people will be like, "Oh, that is a good point." Probably not. Um, 
that these okay so thinking about the trajectory of like um you know tv broadcast television and like before the vcr and then the vcr and now to streaming like just sort of like the traditions that have been put in place by that vcr and like sort of changing changing uh programming that was just made with the thought that it was going to be there and be gone just like this you know this ephemeral thing um and then people sort of having this device at their hands and then going wait like i don't want this to just like be here and be gone like i i want to grab a hold of it and be able to harness that um and uh had a growing interest in in this in productions um and now like that is the norm obviously with streaming and like where it's just like all this stuff is at your fingertips whenever you want it and i don't know watching these it was just like has it like just sort of defeated the whole purpose and gone full circle where it's like there's so much garbage or you know there's so much like these providers just want uh viewers to have something new to put on just like appointment television or just like you know the flow of television like they just want to tune into something that is new um that it creates this surplus of stuff that isn't made out of any sort of, um, you know, production based in, uh, I don't, this, this would be probably insulting to the people who made these things, but, um, <laughs> the, sur the, the surplus allows for more stuff to get made, which means that more stuff than should be getting made is being made. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, there's a surplus of, of productions, which means that, stuff like this a lot of these things not nocturne um but a lot of this stuff shouldn't be made yeah it's meat in the sausage grinder and yeah, and even if exactly. you look at like like where this is coming from if you look at welcome to the blumhouse uh just from a, a top-down view here it's they had a contract with i think they still have a contract with hulu and they have a contract with amazon so they just signed this con and amazon knows that like oh you can make cheap shit that a lot of people like to watch that's what Blumhouse is known for. Okay, so here's a pile of money. Go make the cheapest shit humanly possible, and then we're just going to grind up the sausage and give it to the little squealing piggies. We're going to dump it in the trough. And it's ephemeral again. And this was again. an even sweeter deal. Yeah, and it's ephemeral again. And this is an even sweeter deal because one of the movies, The Lie, Blumhouse bought it two years ago. Okay, this wasn't even like an in-house production. They didn't they didn't like seek out this person and finance it in the, in the script. No, it should have gone to the dustbin at time. <laughs> yeah, so the, but but because Jason Blum and, and Blumhouse has this almost like old school view of like what to do with these movies. They bought up this movie and they didn't want to just cut their losses. So like, yeah, we're just going to dump it into this collection of other things that we financed, and it all just sort of messes together. And yeah, it really is. It's it's all just ephemeral. It it just washes away. Uh, but yeah, Nocturne's okay. <laughs> it is. I mean, I I get it. Like I guess we enjoy a lot of Blumhouse output, but we've got to keep in mind that Blumhouse is uh, it is a ruthless, you know, a business. It's an efficiency machine. It's, mm -hmm. it's the most efficient studio in Hollywood, I would say. You know, it's built on the back of such so fucking. Fun. Uh, paranormal activity which is just a bunch of fucking peanuts on a string you know it's a uh, it, it, he's here to make money Bloom is and 
he's good at sort of finding that sweet spot. And, and the way you play this algorithm game is by, it doesn't matter how good these things are. <laughs> he's already won. He's making money on all of it. Uh, so that, I guess that's the big problem is that, you know, he's, he's made his money ahead of time pretty much on these things. It doesn't matter if they're any good. And yeah. for the most part, they're not. And, uh, this, again, I, I don't despise this one because I, I think it, you know, they use some fucking gel lights. They use, it's got an interesting uh, score, you know. The sound design here is a step up. It, it has one idea, and really only one idea, but it sticks to that idea and it follows the idea through to the end instead of just kind of ignoring it the entire runtime. But it, it's still rather simple and uh, not exceptional in many ways, but it's it's fine. Yeah, there you go. It's totally fine. The Blumhouse, it's okay. Uh, it, uh, it is funny <laughs> that um, <clears throat> the main character is played by Sydney Sweeney, who has become, uh, she was in HBO's uh, Euphoria, and has she was also in Handmaid's Tale uh, for Hulu. Um but she is, has become uh, the crush of many young men after Euphoria. Um, and I believe her Instagram gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of attention from the same demographic. Uh, and it's so it's really funny like knowing her status in that way and the fact that she's 23 uh, to see her play this like, never been kissed high school girl <laughs> it's just like well she's got she instagram did, people like thirsting after yeah, because amazing. she doesn't have makeup on they think that they like pulled it off or like you know or at least made it look like she doesn't wear makeup uh yeah that is really funny <laughs> that's funny i i did not know that about her i i guess i'm i'm not as hip as you are sean i'm sorry um well i don't well, expect you to be i yeah Never, never could be. Never could be. Um, I, I feel like, I mean, we pretty much said everything there is to say about these. So I, I guess my final takeaway is just like, I don't know. If, if you're feeling bored <laughs> and you literally have nothing else to watch for whatever reason, uh, you could do worse than Nocturne. You could do worse than Black Box. Um, you actually can't do much worse than The Lie or Evil Eye. So uh, maybe that's your bag cool but they're also not fun so it's not like a drink six beers and laugh at it kind of thing it's just kind of uh it's not not great not great it's just eating your oatmeal that's all it is so with that being said uh sean what are you putting over this week oh shit um ah you didn't think about it did you buddy mm -mm. oh what am i putting over that was was that the question i just i want to make sure i heard you right it was are you you putting over stalling for time because you're doing a great (laughs) job (laughs) This week, Steve, I am putting over. Um, wait, what did I put over last week or the last episode? <laughs> yeah, I would you. know that. Jeez. Okay, well, I, I couldn't remember. Oh no, I know what it was. So I didn't want to repeat Jean Roland, um, which I believe I did last week, uh, last episode. Um, I watched uh, this Jess Franco movie, Bloody Moon, um, and Jess Franco. I don't know how much we've talked about Jess Franco. Um, on the pod, but Spanish filmmaker that could be talked about alongside 
people like Joe D'Amato or even Jean Roland somewhat in that he occupies a space in cinema that is very strange. I mean, it's European and it's sleazy. And most of the time it is, has a sort of, uh, it's like dreamy titty cinema. Yes. Yeah, sleepwalking <laughs> quality, um, that makes Jean Roland look like a, uh, uh, sexless freak. Um, and this movie he did in 1981 called Bloody Moon, which is available on Tubi, by the way, in a beautiful restoration or, or Severin disc. Um, it is a surprisingly conventional film for him. It's just a slasher. Uh, it's about like a, these college girls and one and, and they're kind of getting attacked and you kind of don't know whether it's by one or, or the other um, uh, suspicious men. Uh, or somebody entirely different, but it's just like a very. It has a little bit of the the Uncle Jess touch, um, <laughs> but it's more than that. It's just kind of like it, it's kind of like uh, reminded me of something like Torso, uh, just kind of brutal, um, really great uh, shots and and effects that really plays up some of the artifice uh, inherent in good horror um, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a good slashing time. Bloody Moon. Bloody Moon. A little bit of the old Uncle Jesse. We love Jess Franco. That's a podcast class, class, classic. Blah, I can't even talk right now. So yeah, hop on Tubi. It's free. You can watch Jess Franco movies instead of watching Welcome to the Blumhouse. Yeah, Myros, what please. are you putting over this week? Well, I, I do want to mention that Sean and I are... Uh, well, I came up with this stupid idea, which was a, a poor decision to watch these Welcome to the Blumhouse things. It's, it's sort of a a soft introduction to the fact that Sean and I are going to be going through the remainder of the uh, Into the Dark series uh, one one movie at a time uh, for our patrons. Uh, it's just going to be a shorter form podcast. You know, we'll just cover one movie, probably one a month. And, uh, you know, again, are there a lot to talk about with some of these? No. So you're probably looking more at a half hour sort of format. If you got an extra half hour, extra couple bucks, uh, there you go. But uh, other than that, I also, I figured I'd just put over a Bloomhouse movie that would be a, a nice watch for Halloween. And uh, what I settled on was uh, Paranormal Activity 3, which uh, I think is, is quite overlooked. It, it, it's kind of a movie that uh, nobody remembers these days. But it, I, for my money, it might be like the pinnacle of the found footage genre. I think it's like super clever and effective and... Uh, yeah, the directors have, have gone on to some level of esteem. Uh, you have Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman. Um, they yeah, made a, a film Sean's very fond of, Nerve, but yeah, they're, they're still working. Unfortunately, they seem to be working for uh, these streaming companies. So, uh, the, the quality does suffer. But uh, yeah, Paranormal Activity 3 is a good one to fire up for uh, Halloween. It's a, it's a spooky time. And... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot better than any of these. There you go. I'm, uh, I'm also going to put over a spooktacular alternative to what we just talked about. So uh, I'm going to throw out a little movie from 2012 about a, uh, you know, a, a smart, quiet teenager who has never been kissed and feels ostracized by <laughs> her peers. Uh, but she also has like psychosexual dreams about performing surgery on living Enough people. about your girlfriend. Get to the plug. Oh, hey! <laughs> <laughs> That's my mother I'm talking about, you piece of shit. Um, no, I'm, I'm talking about the movie Excision 
from 2012. So I, I don't know much about the directors. I don't know much about really anything about it other than it's, it's fucking weird. It's got a real command of just mood and, and it, it makes you uncomfortable. Let's say that. Um, it also nails a lot of the, uh, the after school special stuff that some of these Blumhouse movies tried to shoehorn in, but it actually does it earnestly and in a smart way. It's gory as shit. It's weird as fuck. It's, it's just good. It's a good movie. So go check yeah, out Excision. Rules. Yeah, see? And got, I, got I did see it is, it's streaming now, too. So yeah, is it really? Find it. Yeah, I, uh, I saw it, it. I must have seen it on Prime when I was digging for uh, CC. But yeah, it's streaming for sure. Oh, that's great. I love content on streaming. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our favorite thing. I want to get the year right. I'm like, oh, what year is it from? I thought it was like 2007, from 2012, whatever. But uh, I so I grabbed my DVD off the shelf from behind me and... Yeah, it's a little bit better than streaming because mine is, uh, it's from a closed blockbuster video. So, uh, yeah, that's how you should be buying your movies. Come on. It's real great shit. Um, yeah, but if you can't find a closed blockbuster video, uh, yeah, just, just watch it on a streaming service. You'll be fine. With that, I'm going to wrap things up. So, if you're listening to this podcast right now, do us a big, big favor. Go to the description of the podcast. If you had not had a chance to leave us a five-star written review, we need it. We appreciate it. Please enhance our lives by uh, clicking the link in the description of the podcast, going to our iTunes page, leave that five-star written review. You don't have to say much. Uh, you could say you know, whatever you want. Whatever you want. doesn't matter. You could say something really derogatory towards me or one of my co-hosts. Uh, as long as you give us five stars, I don't give a shit. Make sure you do the written part, though, because that is what boosts us up in the mythical iTunes algorithm. And uh, the more visible we are, the more things we can do for you, and the more things we can do for you, well, the happier you're going to be in your life, honestly. That's what it comes down to. Also, in the description of this podcast, there is a link to our Patreon page. If you have a couple extra bucks, if uh, you're Jeff Bezos and you've made $487 billion during the global pandemic, uh, we could use a couple <laughs> bucks because uh, podcasting costs money. Hosting costs money. Microphones. uh you know, Sean's makeup every single day that we, we hire a professional makeup and hair artist to make sure he's the best looking podcaster in America. And that ain't cheap. So, yeah, just, you know, if, if you got a couple extra bucks, throw them our way. We've got a whole backlog of content. We've got exclusive stuff up, up on there. If you like Blumhouse movies, Myros and Sean are doing a whole mini series on Blumhouse films. So, whole world of content out, out there for you. And all you have to do is give us a couple dollars, please, for the love of God. Um, <laughs> other than that, if you have any death threats, questions, comments, marriage proposals, uh, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Myros will be standing by hitting refresh on the inbox, or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And, uh, other than that, I think that pretty much wraps it up. So, uh, I guess I'll, uh, I'll, I'll play us out. Plum. Baby,